Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Spirit Room Podcast. I'm Melissa White, and I've got a really lovely and wonderful guest for for us today. Um, Her name is Erica, and she has been um, in the TV world, and also she's an attorney and a mother. And she just recently did a little reading with me, and so I thought it would be wonderful to have her here and just chat a little bit. So welcome, Erica. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I just really loved our reading the other day. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. So um, I guess we can start from the uh, beginning of your um, career. Like, was it was TV something you had always been interested in? Yeah, I feel like um, I started having an interest in TV when I was maybe in high school. And um, before that, I was really shy growing up. But then in high school, I was part of this club called Youth in Government where we would go to Austin, our state's capital, and we would do mock trials. And, you know, at one point I was a lawyer in that. And then another time I chose at the conference to be in the media. So we ran around, you know, taping everything and hosting the conference. And I really enjoyed doing that. And then in college at Emory University, I was um, a radio host, but it was kind of like the Howard Stern show, I guess. I, I was really into that because it was aired all across campus. Um, and I just thought he was so funny. So I mm-hmm. wanted to be like that. So I guess that's, you know, around that time is when I really got into it. And then after college, I was a host on a local show called Wild About Houston. And shortly thereafter, I auditioned for The Bachelor. Right. And so how old were you when you were on The Bachelor? Um, so I was 23 when I first went on The Bachelor. And it feels like that's the age that a lot of Um, contestants are right now. And I was definitely open to, you know, finding the one at that point. I'd already been in a long relationship that had just ended and I was hopeful about it. And I thought that Prince Lorenzo and I would be a good match, honestly. Right. And so what would you say is the most challenging aspect of that whole experience? Like what did you find the most difficult? So um, I guess a challenging aspect I guess, of The Bachelor for me felt like they really wanted me to be this over-the-top character because I went to the initial audition and wore a tiara because I knew that Lorenzo was a prince and I thought that would be funny. And they loved it. And in the callback interview, they asked me if I wore the tiara all the time. And I said, honestly, I don't. I mean, I wore it at my 23rd birthday, but that's about it. And they said, come on you just, you know, we know you wear it all the time and you could tell at that point what they wanted out of you. So I just made a decision in that moment, you know, and said, you know what, like, this is fun. I'm going to give them what they want. But it felt like I wasn't having enough boundaries because I just had to continue on being that fun over the top kind of character, which was not true to my personality, really. Um, It just felt like I became a character a little bit. Right. Well, I could see how that would, that would be almost like um, anxiety inducing, I would think, to sort of feel like you had to create this sort of personality that wasn't quite in alignment with who you actually yeah, are. Yeah, it really wasn't. And so I didn't feel that I was being authentic. And honestly, mm-hmm. it was funny because people were sometimes even disappointed by me in real life. Um, when I moved, I moved to LA after I was on The Bachelor. And this friend of mine from growing up, who I wasn't very close with, invited me to dinner with a group of her girlfriends. 
And they were so excited because they thought I was going to be the exact same, you know, persona that I was on the show. And they told me they were, they honestly were a little bit disappointed that I was just so normal and down to earth in real life because they expected this like over the top character to come to dinner. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I was like, sorry to disappoint you guys, you know, but I didn't really want to be like in character all the time. No, no. And I think also, you know, at that point, you're entering into this world. It's like, I think it would be really difficult, even though, you know, you're still quite young. So trying to navigate and figure out who you are still as a person Mm -hmm. anyway, um, but then being sort of thrust into that kind of environment and also like that kind of expectation, you know, on yourself. So um, I what about like did you form friendships were there people that you I found did. so that's the funny part about it is like um some of the other women on that season knew that they knew that I was sort of being this character and that really wasn't my real personality and some of them were doing that as well but a lot of them weren't and chose not to and weren't some of them who I'm good friends with People don't remember from that season, even though they were there the same amount of time as me, but they just chose to be more authentic to themselves. And so everyone says, no, I don't remember that girl. But I did form really close friendships. And even Lorenzo, the bachelor himself, who's still single, came to my wedding along with several of the other women on that season. And so that meant a lot to me. And that's one of the best parts about the experience was the friendships that I made. Right. And you're still in touch and you still have like, um, you know, still keep in touch. Yeah, we do. That's and, I amazing. That. and it's, it's kind of like we have this special bond because we went through such a unique experience together. So, um, when we get together, it's the same kind of energy, a really fun, excited energy. And like time really hasn't passed, even though always a lot of time has passed in between us seeing each other. Right. Amazing. And what about, I mean, at the opposite sort of end of that, like, what about like difficulties? I'm sure there must have been um, yeah. some kind of difficult personalities or difficulties. Um, I think I was really lucky in the season of The Bachelor season nine that I was on. There wasn't really anyone mean spirited. They'd mm-hmm. past the first night. But then I went on much later. Um, when I say much later, I'm saying, I'm meaning five and six years later, I went mm-hmm. on to know that they had called bachelor pad and there was definitely some difficult personalities especially on the last season of bachelor pad that ever was and that was the last one I was on too was bachelor pad season three and there were some really hurtful people and it felt like a negative environment um it didn't it wasn't fun and it wasn't positive and so that was a completely different experience a hundred percent from what I had on the bachelor and in addition to that when I did bachelor pads two and three, I was 28 and 29. So, and I was already in law school yet. I was still strongly, strongly encouraged to the point where I did not feel it was an option, but rather I had to wear the tiara. And at that age in my life, you know, it's a very different stage, maybe five years, six years might not seem like a long time, but it really was. And I didn't want to wear a tiara. You know, I feel like 23 versus 28, 29 is a very different age. That might be okay and cute at 23 is not anymore when you're approaching 30. So that was, it was just a different energy. Um, 
some new producers and just a different experience and not as positive at all. Mm -hmm. I know it's almost like with the Tiara thing, it's like, it's almost like they were maybe even like trying to make it like look like a joke, like trying to almost like make it seem like this is something like that. You're kind of like not all there kind of thing. Like, yeah, exactly. And And I think I didn't like that um, because I was already in law school and embarrassing to my classmates. I felt like when I started law school, I didn't feel embarrassed at all because I was 25 and some of my classmates knew I was on The Bachelor, but they thought it was funny. They knew I was acting. They thought it was cute. Sometimes I'd catch them watching YouTube videos, you know, but it really wasn't a big deal. It was, I mean, they thought it was cool, but it wasn't a thing. But then it became more uncomfortable when I started, um, because I was in law school for four years, but when I started doing Bachelor Pad, that was while I was still in law school. And so that was really awkward because I had to go away and film that summer. But then I came back and it was literally airing at the start of the semester. And my professors would tell me they were watching. Definitely all of my classmates were watching. I mean, I'm not for sure all of them, but a lot of them told me they were. And so it was just felt really annoying and embarrassing that here I was when they already knew me, you know, as a mature almost attorney having to wear a little crown. It just, it just felt very juvenile and not authentic to myself at all. Right. I could, I could see that. And I think that because you are such a strong, intelligent person um, and that the two worlds couldn't be more different, you know, you're you're academic, like very kind of conventional career. Um, And then, yeah. And then having this other sort of thing on the side mm-hmm. where you're kind of having to perform. So very and I didn't different. even like it anymore. I wasn't even enjoying it. I, when I was first on The Bachelor at 23, honestly, I had a blast. I thought it was so much fun. I lo- I didn't mind necessarily being that character because I, did, I didn't realize it was going to experience any negativity. I didn't know that anyone would ever take it seriously. I thought people would understand that no one in the world could really be that ridiculous of a person. Um, right. But I had immediately moved to LA and people really just are more understanding there than they are in Houston. And I would have actually like, I would go to CVS and an acting coach came up to me and said, Oh, I just loved your performance on the bachelor. I could tell you were acting. You were great. And I actually got signed with an agency as a character actress. And so my experience in LA was totally different, but then I chose to move back to Houston for law school And then that's when I filmed Bachelor Pad and people were like, wow, this girl's like crazy. Like, and I was single, you know, it was definitely started to impact my dating life. It definitely, it didn't impact my dating life after The Bachelor. I actually had lots of guys being introduced to me from that. And so it was like, it was just a really positive experience at 23 and a very negative experience at 29. Right. And what made you really want to go into law? What was your sort of inspiration for that? Well, I was interested in it, like I said, in high school when I did youth and government competitions. But I thought, but I also was always interested in doing stuff in the media. So I kind of felt like someone like Nancy Grace was really inspiring to me. Judge Judy is also a personal inspiration of mine. I also, I also like certain things about Megyn Kelly So I think I was thinking along those lines rather than 100% just being a lawyer and that's it kind of thing. And at the same time, my brother 
had decided to go to law school and we had gone to college together. We're close in age and we really seem like twins to anyone that knows us. And so, and we have that, we used to at least have that same connection that twins have. Um, mm-hmm. because siblings really close in age that have been through a lot together can literally have ESP the way that twins have. And many times growing up, we actually did have ESP when we were both at different camps. We'd go through the same thing or we'd both, one time I said, I knew he was in trouble and I'm like, what's going on? And I called him and he had a flat tire and he was literally stranded on the side of the road. Um, and I had to help him. But the point is, so I think that I was really influenced by him going to law school. And that's part of the reason I wanted to move back to Houston so I could go to University of Houston for law school. And we went to law school together. And that was a lot of fun at the time. Oh, that's amazing. And he's practicing law now? Yeah, he's also a lawyer in Houston. Um, We don't practice together. He doesn't want to. And that's okay. I actually am law partners with my husband instead. Right. Amazing. Amazing. So, so many lawyers in your family. There are. Awesome. And it's cool to have that bond, you know, and it's true. Like even siblings who aren't necessarily twins, um, they do, they can have that empathic connection. Yeah, we really do. I don't feel like I'm sad because I don't feel like it's there as much as it used to be anymore. Now that we're both, you know, that we're older now that we're married we both have two daughters and, um, but we might not have it, but the ones that have it again now are our two older daughters. They're not old. They're both almost four, but they were supposed to be born. We are, my sister-in-law and I were pregnant at the same time. And our daughters, Selma and Holland were supposed to be born one month apart. And we always have to say that Selma decided to wait for Holland and Holland decided to come early to be closer in age to Selma. So instead of being one month apart in age, they're only two weeks apart. And oh, wow. Are like that they're kind of like so similar. They look like they seem like sisters. They have an energy like a sister twin energy, and so I feel like we transmitted my brother and I transmitted that onto them, which is cool. Yeah, I mean that's beautiful that bond. Um, mm-hmm. From doing your reading, I know you know that you are very intuitive yourself, and I, I was mm-hmm. mentioning that I feel you know these things that you've experienced in your life even at the time, if you didn't realize it was necessarily spirit, or maybe you didn't realize that you were getting like an intuition. Um, I know that you have, you know, so um, what would you say, like, has been one of those things that you've experienced with people in spirit? Like, I know, in our reading, we touched on a few people um, that you, you know, you wanted, you had wanted to hear from. Um, And so what has been your experience with them since they've been passed? Like, have you felt like you've you've had signs from them? You've had experiences? Yeah, well, I was so happy that um, during our reading last week, you told me that I could reach out to my aunt, Holly, who was like so close to me and that I was able to reach out to her for guidance and she would give me signs. And so I recently did that and she was able to guide me in a really important decision about my daughter Holland's education um, and I named Holland after Holly and Holly passed away of breast cancer. And she knew towards, you know, she told me in November, not this November, but November, 2011, she said like, I know I'm going to die. And I, I didn't want to believe it. Yeah. And I was like, you're not, you've been in remission for so long. She's like, I'm serious. It's really happening. Um, and she passed away that February. But so I had time with her before she died to be able to tell her, I'm going to name my first daughter after you. And obviously I did. But anyway, I didn't think that I could keep in touch with her after she passed away because my mom had told me, and it was my mom's sister, Holly, Mm -hmm. that my mom had a dream or an experience, you know, herself where she thought that Holly told her that she wasn't able to keep in touch with her, even though they were, 
like the closest sisters could be. So mm-hmm. I just thought that because that's what she communicated to my mom, that maybe I have the same situation. But when you told me that she said that I could still ask for guidance and I did that, and, you know, it's a miracle that I was able to get my daughter into the school last minute. It would have never happened had I not reached out to Holly for guidance about it. Um, and so I just felt really like peaceful and it feels great that I'm able to do that now. And it feels comforting because I've really missed her so much. Yeah, no, she's an amazing, amazing person. And the feeling that I got from her was so overwhelmingly like mm-hmm. on your side, totally yeah. like going to do whatever she can to help you from where she is in spirit. Um, so that was a really, really beautiful kind of connection to feel her love for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who else? We had a, a friend. And of then it was also my friend Daphne who um, like we were like best friends for about 10 years from when we were 17 until 27 when she passed away. And I like really missed her so much. I don't have another friend. I don't have that friendship with anyone ever. I have a lot of close friends, but nothing like the friendship that we had. And so it was really nice to also hear from her and know that she really is finally at peace. Like I had had that dream about her showing me that she was at peace many years ago, but it was nice to have that confirmation and to know that when certain songs come on that reminds me of her, that that's like really a sign, you know, to to Mm -hmm. remember her by because... I don't know. It just made me feel better. And to know that she's in a good place, like I was hoping for, for her. Yeah. It's, I think it's just knowing that also that she's, um, around still checking in on you. And there's this feeling of a continuation of her life, even though it's not like a physical life. Um, so that was, yeah, that was amazing too. I'm I'm glad that they both both came through. And and it's Um, funny because you had mentioned something about my mom's mom, my grandmother, Mm-hmm. And I never knew that she did that. But since our reading later that day or the next day, I asked my mom, did Grandma Doris like to sew? And she said, yeah, she was so good at sewing. She'd always make all these costumes and she loved to knit. She loved to sew. And so that was something about her that I didn't know. Um, but it was definitely something she was into. Cool. I love it when that happens because sometimes in the moment, it's true. They'll give me pieces of information mm-hmm. and, you know, you might not be aware of you know. Right. Every- facet of their life. So in the beginning, when I first started doing readings, I would get a little bit like anxious or kind of freak out when somebody was like, no, like say no to something like that. Uh And then after a while, I just start to realize, no, sometimes they'll bring this information that you will find out later, you know, so either from mom or grandpa or whatever that it it will come up. So it's always good to have that um, confirmation for, for me, but also for you. So, you know, in the moment, because there's been some people that will will criticize mediumship and say that. Uh-huh. How do we know it's not just like you're reading somebody's mind, right? Like if right. you're thinking about your grandma and you're thinking about all this stuff about your grandma, then maybe I could just be psychically picking it up. And my defense to that would be this exactly this example because mm-hmm. if you didn't even know that piece of information and it comes through, obviously it's not a psychic um, connection that's being yeah. made. Like I had never even known that about her. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that too. Sometimes it happens too with names. Like sometimes they'll give a name of a relative that they've Mm -hmm. met up with in spirit. But I mean, I'm thinking about it. If somebody did a reading for me, I don't know the names of all my great grandparents. I know like one or two, um, but I don't know all of them. Right. So it could be something that they might bring through and then you find out later as well. So that's always Mm kind of cool. 
Yeah, it is cool. Wonderful. So what is your sort of um, a plan for the next while like to do with your, you know, you've got your two, you've got your two girls, you're married. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anything? In terms of our family, we still aren't like, we're still just keeping it up in the air, but not having another one anytime soon. But it's so crazy because a lot of people, including like friends I had lunch with today that only have two kids themselves or just different yeah. friends love to tell me that they really want us to have another child. And I just think it's interesting, especially if they only had two children, that they would like, you know, about us having another one. But (laughs) if we do, like you said, it would definitely be like in a year, not right now. And Mm -hmm. I really hope that it would be a boy because the idea of having two girls, just, I mean, three girls, I already have two, but (laughs) it just seems really crazy. My mom was like a middle child of three girls and she always had that middle child feeling. And so did another friend of mine. Um, so that would be next for us in terms of that, but not yet because we're definitely not ready. And I'm just excited, um, to go on this trip that I told you about that I was doing, but I can't Mm -hmm. exactly what it is yet, but Mm -hmm. it'll be fun because people will be able to see it coming, I guess in the next six months, it it will air on the show and that's Mm -hmm. all that I can give, but it's on a major network. And that will be really fun. And so other than that, I'm continuing being a lawyer, but just like seeing what happens. Right. And you're in, it's family law, right? Yeah. So my specialty, it's funny because I actually have my, my master's of law, my LLM in entertainment and media law, but I live in Houston now and I'm not living in LA. So we do get some, we do get a good amount of media law related cases, much more than entertainment. But I do a lot of family law and I really find it to be challenging. I find it to be also equally rewarding and it's very draining at the same time um, because you're dealing with a lot of emotions and dealing with children most of the time. Sometimes you're dealing with divorces without children, but when there's children involved as a parent and someone that went through it myself with my first child, I just feel like there's not, it's so important to make sure that you're doing what's right for the children and not just trying to make, you know, a person happy, but really being in the best interest of the children. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, it's such a crucial time in someone's life. It's such a vulnerable time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been through it too, you know, so I, I, I know, I, heard, I, I, know say, I heard your story on yeah. our podcast. So I know that you've also been through it. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I would it. say that, the yeah to be able to help I think to be able to help somebody in that time of their life would be I think so too because when I went through it um with my oldest daughter Holland and her dad who's a family lawyer in LA I didn't feel like I I of course I felt supported by my parents that's for sure but Mm -hmm. I didn't feel I don't want to ever say anything negative about my attorneys that I work with so I I can't but I I will just say in in a generalization that I just didn't feel enough support when I was going through it. And Mm. so I just really think that unless someone's actually been through it themselves, they could be one of the best attorneys in the, in the city, in the country. But if you haven't really been through it yourself, you kind of just don't get it. Even if you're a parent, you just don't get it a hundred percent until you've actually been through it. And so I think that I don't know. I choose to not always share that about myself with most of my clients anymore because it was creating a space without any boundaries. But mm-hmm. I just know in my heart that I've been through it. And so I do feel that it gives me an extra layer of compassion 
and determination when it comes to my clients that are going through child custody battles. That's amazing. And how do you care for your own energy or your own self, like as you're going through this sort of experience? The biggest thing that I've added um, into my self-care is that I do yoga. And sometimes I'm really not in the mood for it. A lot of times, like yesterday, I was just not in the mood for it. I had already worked out. So I don't even really think of it. Sometimes I do a working out type of yoga. And other times, like last night, I was just feeling really anxious. I had my daughter's interview for the school today. And I wanted to calm my energy down. So I flat, like literally fled the house, like snuck away, you know, because my husband was there and I knew it would be fine. But I had to literally sneak out away from the kids because yeah. daycare was closed already. Um, and so I went to a yin, it, it closes at six in the yin yoga class I went to was at six, but I literally like ran to it. Um, and it was just the self-care that I needed. And I felt in a very peaceful place afterwards. And before that, I was in kind of a frantic energy. Um, so that adding, I'm really not someone that's good at meditation, but during incorporating it through yoga has been like so helpful for me because yeah. I will get at other types of self-care. I've never been a good sleeper. It's always been challenging for me. Yeah. Um, and so I love it if I can get eight hours of sleep, but that's super rare because I'm such a night owl. So, um, I think adding the resting restful type of yoga into my routine has really compensated when I'm not getting enough sleep because yesterday I had like a really a 9am client, which for me is early. So mm-hmm. I'll go to bed at like 1am, you know, and then have to okay. like, and seven then at like seven or eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so I was tired. And when I'm tired, it's not like I even always act tired. I might act like kind of frantic or something, but how, like after I went to yoga, I definitely felt like more peaceful. And then I can come home and be like in a happier mood to my kids, you know, and my husband, but we work together. So he, we see each other all day long in all of our moods, but with your kids, you want them to to be with you in the happy, in a good mood, not think of you as someone that's grouchy. I mean, we're human, but you know how it is with you have kids. You want them to see you and your happy personality with, if it's possible. It makes such a difference. And I love, I love yin, like yin deep stretch when they have like mm-hmm. a class, you know, it's like dark with the candles. Yeah. That's and- the one we did. Yeah. I did mm-hmm. yesterday and it's not my normal. Normally I do a fast flow heated yoga, but the yin okay. was like really great yesterday. That's an amazing meditation because you're involving the body, mind and the soul. Yeah. Um, and I think it also does something to the, um, parasympathetic nervous system you know so for people yeah so people who are naturally um you know giving and working with their energy and working with people's emotions like I think something like that is so vital to kind of keep your energy balanced otherwise you think about the demands you have on you as a mother as a partner as a lawyer like there's just Mm -hmm. so a lot yeah, that can be super, super draining. And it doesn't surprise me that like women burn out, you know, when women have That's these. Like, and that was me like about a year ago, started when I became a lawyer, when my youngest was two months old. And that's when I went back to work for a really big law firm that had me working 12 hours, but I definitely was neglecting my self-care. I wasn't really doing any yoga at that time. And, um, was just not taking care of myself well enough because that was the environment of the law firm. And a lot of the women there besides, you know, the partners didn't really engage in a lot of self-care. And for them, like self-care was just more like going out and eating wings. And so I was doing all that, but it wasn't, it might've been tasting good, you know, but it wasn't the right self-care or like having a few drinks after work 
But for me, that wasn't the self-care that I needed. And my dad actually got me back into yoga when the virus happened. And we started streaming it together online before the studios were opening. And then we found a yoga instructor and started doing it in the park with him. Um, And so I I don't know. I like the fast flows, but like the yin yoga sometimes could be just as good or even better depending on your needs at that moment. Mm -hmm. The fast one is good because you have to move so fast and like keep track of the sequences that I don't have time to get into my own head because if I do, I literally won't be able to keep up. So it forces me to really be present too. Amazing. Yeah. To have a mix of both of them is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing you might try, um, I don't know if you've ever done like uh, mantra meditation. I don't think so. I can send you a link. There's there's one I love and I recommend to students and clients all the time. And basically like for, um, what's it called? Obstacle, like breaking obstacles. Um, So it's a good one if there's, you know, things that you want to push through or like some, anything you want to release, negativity, fear. Um, It's about eight minutes and you just repeat this, the same words they they give you. It's like a, they give you the um, words to, to repeat. And it's amazingly cleansing. And what I find for me is if I'm super like overthinking, overanalyzing, yeah. struggling, I'll do that one. And it, because I have to do the words and actually speak them aloud, um, it's keeping my mind busy. So I'm not going into my own head. I'm actually just like focused on the words. So that one might be cool for you too if you don't have a chance, you know, at some point. Yeah, to- I would love that, honest. I really would. Because like at night when my kids are sleeping – and my husband's always asleep by then too. He's a morning person. I w- it's like the right time for me to do a mantra meditation. Mm-hmm. Instead of going and eating a midnight snack, which is not the self-care that I need to be doing. <laughs> well, I'm weird. Like, <laughs> I have always been an idol. And I think it's something to do with energy because everything else is calm. Everything else mm-hmm. is calm. So it's like, oh, it's like peaceful. It's a magical time when like after midnight when everyone's asleep and like then you're the one awake and it's so quiet. And like with me, when we're at the house, when we're at home, um, when I'm in my office, it can be quiet and peaceful. But when I'm at home with the kids awake and all the chaos going on, it's never quiet ever. And so like I need that time. My husband actually likes to get it in the morning. So sometimes he gets up at like 4 a.m. And that's his time to like be alone and he loves it. But it's always like around midnight to 1 a.m. Same. And I've tried before to be like, okay, I'm going to start a new routine and I'm going to go to bed at like 11. Yeah, or, and it never works. So now I just go it with it. That's how I am too. To be up late and that's just the way it is. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's there's something to do with uh, intuitive people too. I noticed I that. I think so too because my mom's like the biggest night owl in the world and she's really yeah. intuitive. But I mean, to the point where like, she's literally basically like a vampire in the sense that <laughs> she likes to stay up all night. Like my husband will be waking up at four or five and she's still awake and has not gone to bed. Okay. And then she likes to sleep like through the morning, you know, yeah. in the afternoon, but she's an artist. And so um, that works for her. But like, it's challenging for her to make friends with people sometimes. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have an amazing family. Like I really, really feel mm-hmm. Closeness and the yeah, I'm really lucky about my like especially I feel that I've even grown closer honestly with my parents since having my oldest daughter and moving back to Houston and they're such an amazing support system and they're really like she thinks of them like her parents too which is funny but yeah. she really does and yeah. so uh, it's been great and I feel like that they both even my mom was really devoted as a mom but my dad 
realizes and says that he is like a hundred times better as a grandfather than he was when we were younger. Not that he was bad, but he just has so much more patience now that he's older. And he thinks my, like my daughter's like his soulmate. He just like more than anyone. So it's really cute. Amazing. Well, I think that's common. You know, lots of times when parents get to be the grandparents, they do realize, oh, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different relationship they can have without the stress of the actual. It is different. And they don't have to be the disciplining. No, they get to be more classic. My son, um, when he was little, he's 16 now, but when he was little, he thought that he, like, because he had his room where he had his nap at my parents' house and stuff, uh-huh. and he would always, you know, they looked after him for me when I was a single mom working, whatever, and mm-hmm. he would just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to, I have a second house. Like, he would go to daycare and tell them that he has two houses, one with his mom and one with his grandma. Uh, that's cute. <laughs> he spent so much time there, and, you know, that was his little, he had his little setup there, but um, it's amazing to have that support, for sure. It is really nice. Wonderful. Well, um, where can people find you? What's your, what's your, I know on Instagram, what's yeah, that? On Instagram, they can find me at Erica the Rose. And that's also my Twitter handle too. And then I also have a YouTube channel. It's Erica Rose TV. But now it's, I've like let my kids take over it. Um, but I still like, I'm not doing the videos that professionally yet. But my daughter, Holland, is obsessed with watching these other kids on YouTube. Same. My daughter, too. For, like, the last yeah. couple of years. Real but the bad thing about it is they really want to buy all these toys all the time. Like, I feel like constantly they're just watching these kids playing with toys. So every day, I need this toy. I need this toy. So that's, like, one part about it I don't love. But other than that, I'm the kids are cute. That she, She's obsessed with this girl, Nastia. I don't know if your daughter's into her yet. Oh, I don't know if she's into that one. You'll have to ask her. But... <laughs> She's a rush, a really cute Russian little girl. And Holland's always saying, can I meet her? I'm like, I'm sure I can find a way for you to meet her one day back when there's like, you know, when we have conventions again or something. But in the meantime, Holland wants to make her own YouTube videos. So I'm going to try to start doing that with her. But I definitely will need help editing and all that because I don't know how to do that part. Same, same. We tried. (laughs) Littlest Pet Shops and she wanted me to like, video like record them and she was being the characters and she wanted me to mm-hmm. edit them. I'm like I, I don't this is beyond my skill set <laughs> yeah it's beyond me too she's like I tried making a video just on Instagram for her just a regular video she's like but it's not a cartoon and I didn't know what she was talking about but she wants me to have like cartoon graphics in there oh okay. to get in touch with like someone else that knows how to do it um and probably like maybe in a month or so or so when things settle maybe I'll you know have the time to like really let her try to make an actual video like she wants to. That's be a fun project for us to do. Yeah, we'll create it, right? And if it's yeah, something for sure. like Avery's really into watching the um because of her older brother, like the gaming one. So she wants to uh-huh. meet um what is his name? I think it's Dan TDM or something. I don't know, like a Minecraft guy. Oh, so cool. she how old is Avery? He's nine. Oh cool. How old is your daughter? Uh, well, my daughter's nine, and then my oh. son is sixteen. Yeah, Jackson's sixteen. Okay. So that's kind of, they're like a lot, of, like pretty far apart in age, which I feel like probably has a lot of benefits. I think so. I mean, there's times when I do wish, oh, like I wish that they were like little together and they could have like like mm-hmm. played together more because it's almost like they were almost like single like children right. because yeah by the time Avery was like a year old he was already eight and you know so right. it's not so different yeah but they are they are quite close um That's good. yeah and I mean he's always been very very 
good with her, very like protective and very like kind to her. So mm-hmm. I think it's good. It's cute. But um, yeah, sometimes I think, oh, it would be cool if they could have had like the little, you know, little kids stage together. You yeah. Know? As my daughters are the same age difference apart as my brother and I were. And my mom always told me it's so hard having two under two. And I just, with that one child, I never thought it was tough. So I just thought she was exaggerating or being dramatic. And then I understand a hundred percent what she's talking about. It really is crazy. It really is hard. Um, and it's so funny because I, I catch my daughters acting exact, even though they're both girls, they mm-hmm. think the same exact way that my brother, they're best friends too, but they also fight the same way that we did. And for the same exact things where like the younger one only wants to play with a toy when Holland's playing with it. And then if Holland says, okay, you can have that toy and moves on to another toy, then Aspen wants that other toy. And I still have a memory of my brother doing that same thing with me. I would be playing with one of my toys and he'd want it. So I'd say, okay, then I'd move to another one. Then he would want that. And I just think it's so interesting that like my daughters recreated that same exact thing. And it's just that's incredible and it's i yeah. know as they get older it'll be like there'll be other things too that you'll just be like, know. like it's, it's so, so interesting amazing all well i thank you so much for for agreeing to come and to chat with with us and i know that um, the listeners will be really, really pleased and excited to hear from, you know from you so um i just wish you the so much thank and you, i just want everyone listening to know that you really are so amazing with your Spirit readings. Actually, one of my friends is coming to Nicole is coming to get a reading from you. I think it's happening in September because you're busy. My friend, I don't want to say her last name, but she reached out to you and she like couldn't even get get in with you until September. So you really are that busy. Um, But I told her like because she and I are both into having readings, whether it's astrology or psychic. But I'm like, this one is really amazing and real. Like you're gonna think it's so cool. Oh, well, that's amazing. That's awesome. I thank you very, very much. And it's been a pleasure. So definitely keep in touch. Yeah, have have an amazing, amazing trip. Thank you. Okay, take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.